Okay, so imagine this. You experience a moment where you feel so powerfully and so clearly that you can no longer live the way that you've been living. Over time, your sense of self has been slowly eroding away and there's nowhere to hide from your own truth anymore. And imagine that in that moment where a fork in the road appears, you choose to let yourself feel it all. You choose to welcome the grief of past choices, of inauthenticity, of cycles and patterns of showing up in the world that you're ready to break away from. Well, three special women I invited to speak with me today have so much wisdom to share about exactly this experience. I'm so lucky to know them and to have coached and mentored them through really big transformational times in their lives and watched them bloom through to the other side. Today, they share their personal stories about what it's looked like for them to meet this fork in the road with great courage and weave their grief into creative feminine magic. I know you'll receive something from each of these women, and I hope you feel as comforted and inspired by their stories as I was. Welcome to the Sensualchemy School podcast, where we explore grief, pleasure, and the sometimes messy, always beautiful paradox that exists between the two. Here, as we center the experience of our wise bodies through the archetypal feminine, we ask, Within a culture that perceives emotional, intuitive and creative intelligence as inferior and avoids pain at all costs, what if grief were our compass and pleasure our medicine? My name is Kate Leeper and I'm so grateful you're here. Hello and welcome everyone to a very special episode of the Sensualchemy School podcast that I've been so excited to bring you because I don't know where we're going to go today, but I know that it's going to be really special because I have invited some dear women to me, some women who I have had the absolute pleasure and privilege of walking alongside their personal journeys through grief, into pleasure really watching them blossom as creative humans doing beautiful, purposeful work in the world and mothering and showing up in ways that is just so genuine and with this commitment to aliveness. And so I wanted to bring them together and imagine that we were all just in a cozy lounge room, having a cup of tea and kicking back and catching up. And I thought it would be fun for everybody else to listen. So <laughs> I want to welcome the beautiful Romina Lee. And Mina is someone that I have known for many years now, and we have worked together in some of my group programs and uh, one-on-one. And Mina is both a mother and a nonna, a team leader, a feminine embodiment coach, and a gorgeous mermaid queen. And to find out more about that, you have to go and follow Mina. I'm not going to tell you (laughs) any more about that. 
<laughs> but Mina, I will welcome you. Whereabouts are you calling from? Thanks, Kate. Thank you. I'm so honoured to be here this evening. Um, I'm calling in from uh, Perth in WA, so the southwest, and I'm currently sitting on uh, Noongar Budja land. Mm. Um, so I'm far away from home and it's very much cooler here, but I'm enjoying the change. Oh, good. Lovely, my love. Well, yes, I should have mentioned I am on the Sunshine Coast, uh, Queensland, Australia, and that is um, Guppy Guppy land. So, uh, yes, I have two other Aussies with me in Mina and the second being beautiful Lauren. Welcome, Lauren. She is a myotherapist and also a feminine embodiment coach, which I like to surround myself with, you know, lots of <laughs> those beautiful humans, um, a mother of two as well. And um, Lauren, I just adore you and have just really enjoyed and and just gained so much from really watching you blossom with confidence in in really fusing your professional worlds and also just um being such a gorgeous example of connected aware mothering out in the world as well so welcome lauren whereabouts are you hanging out hey kate um i am joining from brisbane on the east coast of Australia, so the other side to Mina and just down the road from you and I live on Turbul Country. Mm, thank you. Yes, you are nice and close, but we unfortunately are just a little bit too far away to really catch up. So, <laughs> but it's nice knowing that you're there anyway. <laughs> and incredibly far away, very far away, is the gorgeous Christina. And Christina... Um, oh gosh, what a beautiful journey that I have witnessed as you have, um, just moved through so many interesting seasons of your life and just come back into this connection to your creativity and your feminine essence. And you are also a mom. You're also a writer, a speaker and coming back into your life coaching. Um, yeah, putting that hat back on, which is very exciting. So whereabouts are you, Christina? Oh, thank you. So I am calling in from Levittown, Pennsylvania. So I know in Australia, it's evening time here. It's morning. So as the sun sets there, the sun is rising here. And I am joined by our little co-star, which is my cat, Chloe, who is loving all this. Anytime, I missed your I cat. Like, <laughs> right? I was like, every time that you and I have worked together, we've been in a group setting. Here is the cat because she knows she knows where the vibes are. That's all. She, she does. knows what the vibes She are. totally does. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, so seriously. I, I'm so excited. Thank Aww. you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, welcome. Welcome to you all. And welcome, Chloe the cat. It's very uh yeah, it's very special to have <laughs> my first animal guest on the podcast, mm. which, you know, there's uh yeah, I think Chloe has a lot to say. Well, she certainly heard a lot anyway from us. So I, today, I guess, you know, what I wanted to really get into and, and kind of tease apart together is your stories, yes, but I'm really interested and I think that it's so beautiful when women come together and share, you know, what draws you into 
this path, the sensual alchemy path that, you know, is ultimately about reawakening, reawakening this deep and, and trusting connection to the body. Not everybody wants to do that or is interested in doing that, right? And uh, I think that this work, it is, it asks a lot. It asks for a level of vulnerability and willingness to embrace our humanness. And as far as I'm concerned, that's to be celebrated, right? But there are there are lots of people who I feel have the tingles of of curiosity about, well, what does it mean to live fully alive, to live really thrive and flourish in my body and be able to kind of move through these seasons of life that are deeply challenging, fully plugged into them? And that can feel pretty um, overwhelming. And I just want to acknowledge that and also acknowledge that the three of you were drawn to this work and we have connected because of it. And so I would love to know a little bit about how things have unfolded for you, particularly when it comes to this idea about, you know, coming home to ourselves and really meeting the grief in that. And inviting pleasure, inviting joy, inviting intimacy and connection in ways that perhaps you'd never realized were available to you before. So let's kick off. Mina, I'm wondering, when did coming home to yourself, when did that become kind of non-negotiable for you? And it was, it was something that you know, whether or not you understood it at the time, this path of embodiment and of coming, you know, into the full expression of yourself just was, it had to be done and you had to really devote to that. What was that for you? Mm, Such a beautiful question. There are so many, there's a few pivotal points I feel for me earlier on in the work with us together, but the biggest one for me was probably in 20. 21 I'd say um like two years ago it was this deep feeling of dishonor I had dishonored myself and who and what I was as a woman and the pain was just too much for me to hold anymore like I realized that from the journey that I'd been on over these years as an embodied woman I was actually so disembodied yet still trying to tell myself that I was embodied (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I was living my own lie. I was living in my own shadow and it was to do with the separation and the grief and loss was so intense and I was holding on to something that was no longer a reality, but I was forcing it to be and I couldn't see it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one day I just did see it and so many people in this space helped me through that and did one-to-ones with me and had supported me on that way. And even then I had those sessions, I was, I stepped away and I knew in that moment, but then I carried on living in a space of denial and or victim mode. But when I realized was just this one day, I just woke up and it was just literally one day I have journaled on this and I dropped into my heart and it was like, what, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Where have you been? And I looked at myself and realized I am not this woman. This is not me. I, the grief, 
the pain, the loss, it was literally killing me as a woman. Um, and that was that moment. And I knew that I needed to somehow crawl back out from that space and reawaken this woman, this light and start shining again. Wow. Mm. Mm. It was deep. That's, I mean, that is to even hear you express that with such clarity and dignity and like there is just this sense that I have here, you know, hearing you say those words and reliving that experience, you are a different woman. Yeah. I mean, I am am just like deeply bowing to you because I know what that feels like. Mm. I know what that feels like to to know better, Mm. to hear that call and to just be so terrified Mm. and to just keep returning back into that sense of safety that I think is an illusion but it is the comfort Mm. and that is okay. I know it well. I still Mm. know it in regards to many things. And I think we always will, right, when we're meeting these new levels, new devils, new layers. Mm. But I just want to celebrate you so hard because the way that you just spoke to that was just magical. Thank you. And so true. Mm. You know, I just feel the genuineness of the energy. Wow. Mm. Thank you. Wow. And I think that's it. I just want to say really quickly as well, you know, how you said one day you just kind of woke up. And I think that happens. I feel like when we're on this path as well, you know, we don't just go to like a full moon circle and then all of a sudden our life is, (laughs) it's like, um, it is slow and steady and Mm -hmm. incremental and we keep showing up and showing up and feeling and letting it be there and resourcing in whatever ways we know how. And then one day we wake up. Mm. And so the work has been like years and years and years and years. And mm. then all of a sudden a cycle, a pattern, something is gone. It doesn't have its hold over us anymore. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, you've kicked us off so beautifully, Nina. Thank you for telling us about that non-negotiable point. Lauren, is there anything that you can relate to in Mina's story or do you have an experience? Maybe it's totally different, but it, different. Is there anything in you that kind of there was the point of no return? And you just mm. really needed to commit to this embodied kind of life. Yeah, I've got a, um, a a moment in time that really stands out. And it was actually the first time that I was in a really intimate space with you. So it was the first time I'd ever done any embodiment work And I had no idea what I'd signed up for. I just had a friend recommend this two-day retreat and I thought I was going for yoga. Oh, yes. And um, it was a chance 
uh, I think it was day two when I really fully got it. I stopped just stretching my body and I was able to <laughs> truly connect. Mm-hmm. And I met my inner child. And it, this came at a really pivotal time for me in my parenthood journey where I was really trying to hold it together the way that I'd been shown Mm-hmm. to be the good mother and do all the things the right way. And I was really struggling with bedtime with my son mm. and I was grappling with this um, need to, you know, be able to pop him down in bed and then walk away. You know, I think he oh, was God, yes. 13, 14 months. And I'd also, you know, I'd, I'd also tried a bit of conventional talk therapy and that was just, you know, it helped to a point. But it wasn't until on that day with you that I met my inner child and she was saying to me, stay with me, stay with me, lay with me, that I just broke down. And it was just like this, a moment where I couldn't unsee Mm -hmm. Or couldn't unfeel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better word for that, but no, that's perfect. What I felt was this shift of like, oh, this is I have to change this because I I want to give my son what I didn't get and what I needed. Oh my goodness. And of course that was just the beginning. <laughs> and um yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got such goosebumps then, that that moment where, yeah, you feel, see, sense this knowing and this deep communication from within that you can't wipe that. It's going to follow you around. <laughs> and, again, it's not a race. It's not something... Um, I think it's important to just continue to reinforce that, you know, when we have that nudge, that intuitive awakening or just that sense of connection to our body, it doesn't mean we have to act then, we have to make change right then, but it is in hearing it and accepting it right and just deeply acknowledging it, as you've said, just the tears and letting yourself be with the really painful truth of that for you. Yeah, and our kids will do that. <laughs> our little mirrors will do that, especially our first. <laughs> I yeah, I can I can really, really relate. Thank you for sharing that, Lauren. Christina, how about you? What was your moment? I feel like for me, it was so much about a series of moments, if I'm honest. It's these points where you realize either your trust in yourself has been broken or there's been such a hit to your sense of self that you almost feel like where the hell, where the hell did I come from? Where the hell am I going? It's this point of here I am in the center. I can't even relate to the present moment because it's something that I'm so far removed from. 
And here I am now looking at my path forward because the path I thought I was on wasn't even anywhere close to where I actually ended up. For me, it was overcoming being bullied for my weight, overcoming sexual assault, overcoming um, loss of trust in in others. And at, at one time, my husband, unfortunately, because of a lie that was said. And now in my current present moment where my parents are going to sell their house and it's my childhood home. So it's it's been a series of losses. It's been this journey of overcoming perfectionism of overcoming the need to go and be the good girl to try to measure up to a standard that wasn't even mine you start to realize that this i i'm wanting something that isn't even me and for me it's a lot about being on this journey of and this is because of the work that we've done, sitting, getting really quiet and saying, what do I actually want? You know, I, I've been through these different scenarios, these different losses that I, I didn't even realize was were losses. Sometimes you end up being just so hurt that you don't even know where where you're going, where, where you're coming from. And... I feel like in those moments, it's so critical to go and get really still, to to take a deep breath and to say, okay, I am in a really shitty place right now, but I know that where I want to go, if I let my heart lead me forward, is going to end up putting me in a better space than if I were to go to try to run out the pain, to try mm-hmm. to push myself past the the tiredness and the exhaustion. Because, mm-hmm. it, and it, it's way too common for a woman to go and say, I'm tired, but it's not tired. It's, it's a lack of fulfillment. It's a lack of feeling purposeful. It's a lack of feeling meaning in what they're doing and, and how they're choosing to spend their time and, and making of a life. And because of the work that I've done, I feel like when I start to stray from the path, I'm able to come back now. I, For me, I'm very much a visual thinker, a visual learner. So images will pop in my head as to what I need. Okay, I want to wear that jewelry. I want to wear that outfit. I need to go and explore that path. And it comes to me in visual images. It comes to me in ideas and thoughts and feelings. And I would not have gotten to where I am today without listening to that inkling. Because mm-hmm. I, if I had continued down the path that I was, I was spiritually dying. Mm-hmm. And in going and tending to that spiritual death it is how I'm able to go and still be alive today. That That's the only way that I can describe it. Because mm-hmm. it, I had a cardiac event that required hospitalization. I had a kidney infection that required hospitalization. And... It wasn't until I was sitting in that hospital bed and taking a deep breath and saying, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. Where do I go from here? Because something serious had to happen 
to to get me to this state and in coming home to myself that that became the non-negotiable because I said I can't continue to live my life feeling disembodied from myself right I have to recognize myself not only at the spiritual level but in the physical sense and to hell with my weight to hell with whatever little insecurities I have that that's me Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's who I am. And I can work towards acceptance of myself as I am in this present moment, messy as hell, <laughs> and and choose to to be okay with that. And mm-hmm. and that's the biggest decision I think is to and we've we've talked about it. I know other guests have talked about it as well. It's choosing to be okay with the mess. Yeah. And and learning to dance. That. Yeah. <laughs> Le- learning to dance that dance of okay, here I am in this present moment and mm. being quiet enough to say okay, where where am I going next? Mm. Because Beautiful. as long as it's the next step, it, it's still forward. It, it doesn't have to make sense. Forward is forward. Mhm. Yes, indeed and Oh my gosh, there's just so much in what you've shared, Christina, that, I mean, like one of those things is enough to shake someone to the core, right? And and to really um, be experienced as tremendous loss. And there's just been these layers of loss that have accumulated for you. And I just... I really am just in awe and particularly when you speak to this idea of a spiritual death and I think so many of us can relate whether or not we call it that, you know, it is just this sense of complete disconnection. It is the existential crisis. It is this um, disembodiment. It is turning around and looking at a life that perhaps or or parts of a life, not necessarily all of a life, but parts of a life that we have attached so much significance to because we have been taught to believe that they are important when they're really not, you know, and and these these perfectionist traits and these good girl behaviour and these ways that we move through the world uh, with the false belief that, if we do so, we will be rewarded in some way. And I suppose that there are rewards, but they don't feel good. <laughs> you know, genuinely, they actually leave most of us feeling very empty and that death inside that you speak to. And and so, yeah, it's just so phenomenal to hear you recount some of those experiences and and just hear in your voice and just see you and witness you in this reclamation really of personal power and that was found in so much of that loss. So thank you for your honesty and for just going there, all three of you, such different experiences and yet, you know, really I relate to all. And I think so many of us do. There are parts of of what you all shared then that, um, yeah, that are so common 
for so many of us. So I'm really interested to know a little bit more from all of you, but I'll direct this question, I think, um, to you, Mina. What have you lost and what have you gained in this process of embodied reclamation? You know, maybe that's people, places, beliefs, behaviours, communities, desires, dreams, you name it. But what has been really significant for you that you've noticed the grief has felt kind of the heaviest around, but but also there's just been these magnificent gains that have kind of bloomed up in the soil, you know, of, of what you have lost. What, uh, mm. yeah. Mm, yeah, beautiful question. For me, I feel the thing was that I'd lost it was like this, um, one of the biggest things was this dream, this vision, this reality that I had figured or thought or felt that I was going to be and living and doing for the rest of my life with this person. And for me, it was like at that time, that loss of that person was as if they had died, but they hadn't. And around that loss came this whole kind of sense of um, me really deconstructing all the kind of things that had kept me going and kept me believing that, you know, this was the way that we do things. This was the way that life was and all that the stuff you were just referring to before. For me, I lost, it's like my bubble had been burst and my desires and dreams of this future with this person had just exploded in front of me and that I would never, ever, ever be able to get any of that back or I would never, ever, ever to be able to recreate any of that. I just felt like everything was just gone. Everything was over and I just realised that when I worked through all of those elements of what I actually did lose or had lost, it actually opened that gateway to more of like what you said about what it actually was that I had gained. So when I was at the end of all of that kind of deep darkness and sitting with all of that pain um, and felt like there was no way out, when I actually started to come through that, what I actually realized and what I gained was so much more love for me as a woman, mm-hmm. so much more respect for myself as a woman. Um, I also gained so much more confidence, so much more um, truth. And I know we bang on about authenticity, but I did. I, I came home to all of these layers of myself. It wasn't Ramina's not doing this for this person anymore. Ramina's doing this for herself. I started Mm -hmm. to actually choose myself. I started to actually put myself first for the very first time in my whole life. And that was two years ago. So I'm 47 now. So yeah, 45, 46 Mm -hmm. for the first time ever. So I gained this absolute sense of freedom, actually, is probably the biggest one when I (laughs) feel into that sitting here. But it was a very, very lot was lost but Mm -hmm. so much more was gained Mm -hmm. and then now dancing between those two spectrums and learning how to has just given me a whole new deeper appreciation for life and when you're in that space right the pain or the light yeah um which yeah gratitude is probably one of the big ones too 
a quick interruption to my chat with Mina, Lauren and Christina to share that my signature program for women wanting to feel more alive, embodied and unlock their full creative expression after a period of grief and major change, Grief Weavers is open again for enrollment. Grief Weavers is a four-week online program, but it's more like a sacred circle where you'll learn how to connect with your body, mind, and spirit in ways that will support you to transmute your grief into deep personal power and authentic expression. This is for the woman who is trying to make sense of a big loss. And not only in the context, say, of a death of a loved one or an ending of a relationship, but the woman who has come face to face with grief at a multitude of levels. You know, the the losses that we experience as women in patriarchal culture, whether that be sensually, sexually, creatively, or in relation to motherhood, identity, even attachment wounding and childhood trauma. So this course is for you if you want your grief story to also be your story of love, power, and leadership. And we weave our personal grief into greater aliveness, and collectively we weave our grief together as an act of cultural healing and reimagining in this program. So if you are a podcast listener, then you receive early VIP access before the rest of the world hears about it. And if you enroll and send me an email confirming that you heard about this on this episode, then I'll also throw in four free trainings, all designed to support you to deepen into your embodied wisdom, your sensuality, your feminine lineage, and help you to integrate the loss and grief you've experienced into beauty and personal power. So if you want to check out all of the details of this beautiful program, please head to kateleeper.com slash griefweavers, all one word, G-R-I-E-F-W-E-A-V-E-R-S, kateleeper.com slash griefweavers. And I'm just so happy to be teaching this again. And I really hope you'll join me if it feels like a fit to you. Now back to my chat with Mina, Lauren, and Christina. Yeah. Yeah. And what speaks to me is the, and I wonder if this is your experience, it's like letting yourself really go there Mm. and feel the depth of Mm. that loss of what Mm. you had just envisioned to be the way your life would be. Mm. You know, we don't speak a lot about that. We speak about losing people and relationships, but we don't speak about the loss of a a vision or an assumption or an idea of, no, well, hold on. This is what my life is meant to look like. And all of a sudden Mm. it's not. I deeply Mm. relate when my sister died. It was, I couldn't actually imagine the world or that, you know, like how, how do I actually live, <laughs> you know, mm. without this dynamic, without her. And so letting yourself really be with the, that loss of like letting that vision shatter and just making space for that because now you're 
in this place of really being able to acknowledge and celebrate the gains, what has that done for like your sense of trust in this process? You know, that your sense of trust in your body to kind of guide you. Mm, that's such a beautiful question because um, this person in particular, we actually started talking again a few months ago. And one of the biggest things that taught me was is that nothing is ever really, um, what's the word? Like I was in the space and place where I thought this would, I was gone, I was lost. This would never, ever heal itself. I would never ever heal myself. I would never get over it. And now a few months ago when I had this interaction, but this was before I had reconnected with this person, it's actually told me and taught me and my body has taught me that trust that when we really do tap in and we really do go that little bit deeper and stay with us, be with us, be with all of it in any which way, shape or form, that we can actually work through this. We can actually step through to the other side and that we are our own cheerleader always and to never ever forget that and to always stay with that trust love be present and know that you're gonna come through know that it's gonna be okay like Mm. to me trusting yourself is so difficult at that time and often you feel like there's there's there is no way out or there is nothing else to be seen or done but when you actually do drop in and sit with and Mm -hmm. stay all and everything is possible, mm-hmm. um, even though it doesn't seem like it at the time. Mm. I think sometimes yeah. we anticipate that emotions will kill us. You know, mm-hmm. we it's actually worse imagining being with the grief or the whatever mm-hmm. it is. and But when we're actually in it, yes, it's, it can be agonizing and excruciating. And when we begin to practice that and we keep being alive <laughs> at mm. the end of it, we're like, oh, mm. I can actually meet intensity and grief and loss and rage and all the mm. things in my body when I give it permission to exist. Yeah, this yeah. is exactly right. And I feel that anger was probably one of the biggest pieces that I was actually allowed myself to go to mm-hmm. in that grief space and knowing that rewriting grief or looking at grief in a different way and being comfortable enough to sit in that space is so, it's so um, potent. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it is scary because you're really meeting yourself in that space and it's, it's not comfortable, but it's just so powerful yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah truly Mm. is. Oh, you're a tremendous human. It's just so incredible to hear where you're at and, and, um, yeah, so inspiring. Thank you, Mina. Lauren, for you, I'm wondering as you have, as your children have grown, as you have really blossomed in your own purpose and and the way that you're showing up in the world, in your work, in your relationships, you name it. I know that we've talked a lot about grief in your life and has it been, I suppose, important for you to reconcile a new relationship to the grief 
that you have experienced that you were holding perhaps before we met and and really gave space to some of the big stuff um, through to now? How do you describe your relationship to grief now? Mm, Such a juicy question and my mind is going a million miles an hour. (laughs) Um, But, yes, it has been so important to um, recognise all of the waves of it um, as they ebb and flow. And I think for me, the real grief um, as I've been on my mothering journey um, has been reconciling the relationship with my um, parents mm-hmm. and really seeing them as imperfect humans that were legitimately doing the best that they could and then reconciling the fact that I have um, or I am creating a new relationship dynamic with my own children mm-hmm. and that is not necessarily understood right. um, by my um, parents mm. so or my my mother in particular my my father passed away in 2012 Mm -hmm. but it's yeah it it can feel really messy and awful and I've had to really work hard at knowing and trusting or just understanding what what is mine what's my responsibility Mm. in each relationship and yeah, really, you know, allowing each of our journeys to be their own holy journey. Wow. Um, and I, yeah, it it's a really, it still feels pretty raw some days, um, but I am rewriting the dynamic I feel for my my children. And I really hope that, um, yeah, it can be remain a more authentic and connected relationship. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, you've just touched on so many big themes there, you know, around the mother wounds that we carry particularly and how we can spend so much time and energy almost battling this internalized wounding that often we don't, you know, we've really got to excavate that and look at it and go, geez, that is, that is all about my mother line. You know, that is all about my feminine lineage. And, and so much of the time we kind of take ownership over some of this inner conflict. And then really, I think it's, it's just such a big deal to be able to bring that out, that grief and heartache around, yeah, how we weren't seen and received, how our mothers weren't seen and received, and down the line we go. And then be able to, as you say, intentionally and consciously create this new narrative, this new dynamic in your family, in your home, and 
when your own mother isn't necessarily a fan of that, (laughs) to still choose to be in integrity with what feels right for you and your family. And I mean, that is so, I just feel this, this deep sense of uh, grounding in you around that and just a knowing and, and an integrity, which is just really beautiful to witness. And I wonder if you can maybe tease apart even, I guess, an example of knowing that there's grief present, you know, knowing that there is that kind of um, blueprint uh, that you've been negotiating uh, for your for your life and, and as you've developed it into a woman and as a mother, how do you meet some of the waves or some of those moments that maybe they do feel like anger, maybe they do feel like disappointment. I'm, you know, I don't want to kind of define that for you, but as you move through your own journey, how do you really care for yourself and allow that grief to be present and see it for what it is? And let that kind of be transmuted. Yeah, well, this has been, again, another huge learning process over the last few years. But I I remain really, really compassionate with myself. And even if I do fly off the handle or make a remark to one of the kids or even have a thought that is not the way that I want to be thinking, is I... I allow it now. I don't squash it down. Mm-hmm. And then the key to that is, you know what, to be truly honest with you, I do squash it down as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I will feel the feelings and go, not today. <laughs> but then once I've realized that I'm squashing down the feelings with wine or gin or dark chocolate or whatever it is, um, I don't beat myself up about it. I just see it for what it is now. Right. I'm like, I had some feelings I wasn't ready to feel. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And then my I invite myself into feeling some of it. Mm-hmm. I love it how you really just explain it in such accessible language, you know? And I think so much of it is simply about we don't have to have these like fancy practices and um and these really kind of complicated psychological strategies, we just notice. And we notice when we're not willing to notice, <laughs> we give ourselves um, permission to just be with what is. And that in itself is monumental when we are conditioned to avoid to numb out, to fight it, to gloss it over. So that in itself is really very valuable. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's such a beautiful reminder, I think, for all of us that just simply noticing is enough and having that compassion. Mm. And I'm often, if I do have my feelings, (laughs) <laughs> which can then be expressed through a bit of rage or some frustration or a bit of, of course. you know, frustration with the kids where I'm a bit shorter. Mm-hmm. I come back and I explain it to them. 
Mm. You know, not my two-year-old. She's just she's just a whole nother wild card at the moment. But <laughs> you know, my six and a half-year-old is so tapped in um, to all the nuances, <laughs> all the emotions yep. and feelings in the house, <laughs> and that I think is part of. I mean, I don't lay give him any responsibility to what I'm feeling, but I just say to him, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm just feeling really overwhelmed with life right now, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. um, just simply by apologizing to him, I feel is, again, rewriting that narrative yeah. and just showing him that I'm not perfect. Mm. And that, and he is allowed to. He's got permission to get overwhelmed as well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The permission piece is everything. And this is this is the cycle breaking um, component of this work, which is yeah, it's truly something that keeps me going as well. As I look into the little faces of my three girls, it's like okay, this is why this is why I'm stepping up. And this is why I will continue to uh, meet meet myself and and meet these losses in my body and move through them because it will, uh, yeah, it will just demonstrate what is possible and the pleasure and joy and aliveness and the freedom that uh, is available. So, yeah, it's really amazing. And I guess that kind of brings us to this, very important question. Um, and I'd love all of you to answer this, but I will start with you, Christina. What words of comfort or encouragement or support or whatever it might be would you give to the woman listening who feels disconnected from herself in some way, perhaps stuck in some kind of a holding pattern? Maybe there's been a major loss or a change or a transition or just really a shake-up that has just, as you have all shared, awakened her to, okay, something's got to give here and I think it's ready to feel and I think I'm ready to feel. What would you say to this woman that, you know, we don't want to bombard her? <laughs> <laughs> But what would we say to her? So for me, what I would end up saying to the woman that, like you say, is in a holding pattern, I speak from experience when I say that the most important decision or even the most important thought first that you can go and tell yourself is, I am not okay. Having that recognition that something is wrong is the biggest acceptance that you can go and gift to yourself. Because in, like we were talking about earlier, um, in squashing it down, in avoiding it, in overworking through it, in trying to avoid it as much as you can, you will come to a point where the body and mind are together, but they're together for the purpose of breaking you down. And you will be broken down as severely as you need to be to stop. Mm. Um, like I said, I speak that from experience. If you can navigate 
even just saying I'm not okay. I don't know what I need to do to move forward and that's okay. And being and being accepting of that, that is the first step on the journey that you can take to saying, okay, I know that then it becomes, I know I'm not okay. What do I need to navigate through this? What do I need to act as my compass? As I as I encounter this change, as I live through this change, as I grow as a result of this change, being able to go and have then lead that thought of I'm not okay into I'm not okay and this is what I need to to come home to myself. If you're able to go and navigate that idea time and time again, you will find that you'll end up in a better space for it. It It's not going to be pretty. None of this work is ever a beautiful thing. But what Well, it is a beautiful out, thing, but... <laughs> it, what comes out of it, what comes out of it is a beautiful thing. But yeah. of course, when... Yeah, it's not polished when you're, pretty. No. Oh, no, absolutely <laughs> not. When you're sitting in your car having a breakdown, when... I'll speak this from experience. When the baked pie that you end up send going on three to four hours on and then having everything come out in a gloop <laughs> and crying and crying it's a good metaphor for life standing, right you <laughs> you look at it and you cry and then to end up feeling the arms of your loved ones around you and having your little six-year-old daughter say it's okay mommy you can try again mm. that's the thing with life every day that you're given is a gift and you're able to try again. Mm -hmm. Nothing ever has to be perfect. This idea of having things just so is such bullshit. Oh, it is. Isn't it? And having that recognition, I'm not okay, but I know that there's things that I can do to be more okay. That mm -hmm. that's enough. That that's the medicine. That's the gift that you can give to yourself as that recognition that things are not okay. But I have it within me to make it okay. Right. Even if it's just five percent more. That's still five percent. That is. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Christina. I think um there's a you know, it is a pang of recognition in me in those moments where it's Am I really being honest with myself? And no, I'm not right. okay. And yeah, I think that that's such important uh, advice and just an encouragement that it does begin with that self-honesty. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Mina, what would you say to the woman listening who is just ready to move forward in a different way? Mm. I feel for me, I, as I say feel, to just be really kind and gentle with yourself and to just really acknowledge where you were and how far you've come and know that you're exactly where you're meant to be, no matter how shitty that feels in that moment or how ugly yet also beautiful it may feel. This is exactly where you're meant to be. And so... How can you be more present with this? How can you go more deeply within? Because everything we ever will need to know is here within. 
obviously with the support of other things as well, but just listening to your heart, just keep tuning back in and knowing that this is just a point in time mm. and it's a human experience. And as messy as it is, it's fucking epic and beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably yeah. what I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Amongst the, the tears. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, plenty of tears. Yeah. Tears are so... Mm cathartic and releasing and sometimes if we aren't a crier it can feel very odd and awkward and like we want to try to force ourselves to cry Mm. um and you know on that I think there are lots of women who who do naturally bottle up Mm. and so the tears will come the the more gentle and soft that you are with your Mm. heart and more honest and give yourself permission to feel just that, you know, dipping your little toe in, it will start to just gently unravel in a way that you can control. Mm. You can control, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be a waterfall, a tsunami. Um, and your body is very wise. It will go at a pace, mm. yeah, that it needs just- to. Yeah, knowing that this too shall pass. Mm, and it, yeah. it does. It does. Mm. I feel Thank like you. I need that tattooed on me somewhere. <laughs> Maybe the top of my hand. Especially <laughs> in those moments because it oh. doesn't feel like it ever will. Yeah. Yeah. But it it is such, yeah, it is. It will yeah. pass. It will pass. Mm. It may come back again, but it will pass. Yes. And everything yes. is transient and we can meet mm. it as it as it arrives. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Mina. And last but not least, Lauren, how do you feel? What do you want to share with this woman? Well, after all the feeling and the acknowledging of it. I would love to share three things that I've done to help me through. And my advice would be to choose something that is joyful or some beautiful reconnection to the loss that fills you up, that can be the sunshine in the journey. And so when I lost my dad, what I would do was I would water the garden. And if we didn't have a garden, I would water the grass. Mm -hmm. And I spent many hours watering because that's what he would do. And he had a massive garden and I spent so much time with him out in the garden and that was our happy place. And so I Actually, I I took some plants from his greenhouse after he died. So I had gerberas and all sorts of things that I was um, watering. And as far as the the loss around the maternal lineage and cycle breaking, I have a visualisation that I use and that is um, to visualise myself holding like a big rock or a pile of rocks which symbolise all the things that aren't mine Mm. and I hand them back up the lineage Mm. and let them go. And the final one is a symbol of the feather, which is one of my 
tricks in mothering to soften. So any time that I feel like I'm going into old patterns of control and power and expectation on my children and myself, I will look out for feathers and I always see them Mm. everywhere. So that helps me remember to soften. Mm. I'm so grateful that you've brought in some really practical and yet deeply meaningful and also accessible ways of ritualizing and actually connecting with some of these feelings. Because sometimes, yeah, when we just say, just open yourself to feel and to soften, it's, you know, I feel like people understand that theoretically. And yet um, there's some really beautiful ways to begin to visualize, to begin to look for symbols, as you say, and to really um, create that connection to to what we have lost, to the grief, but in a way that is deeply personal. And we don't need to justify that to anyone. Um, and they, as you've all kind of expressed, they connect to the grief, but they also connect to love. They also connect to what it means to be alive. And I think that's such um, a wonderful place for us to wrap up our conversation today because really that's what this work is all about. And I think for all of us in whatever it was that called us to coming home to ourselves, the fullness of our expression, the possibilities of what life might look like, feel like, be like if we were more of ourselves, if we let ourselves feel the full extent of our humanness, really, it's because we want to be fully alive. We're not just here to exist, to be a robot, to kind of, you know, fulfill some bizarre script that patriarchy, that capitalism, that, you know, all the systemic oppressive powers that be have written. We are here to feel good in our bodies, to know love, to know creativity, to know all of the subtleties and the big, beautiful, bold aspects of a well-lived life. So the three of you, I am just so proud and lucky to know and I want to thank you for your time and for your generosity in sharing so openly and honestly and I certainly needed this medicine (laughs) so (laughs) I'm going to sleep better tonight (laughs) Um, but thank you all so much for joining me and uh, I just wish you the very best for however you are feeling your way forward in your next chapters. Thank you, ladies. Bye. Thank you for joining me today on the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. If you found this episode supportive or something landed for you here, please share it with your friends, family, and anyone who you feel might benefit. If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to ensure that we can keep bringing you the conversations you need. 
And if you want to connect, please find me at kateleeper.com or over on Instagram at kate.leeper. I'd love to hear from you.